Hi, I'm Internet Steve Sterling Watson, benevolent founder of the Indube Network and host of the Indube Podcast, a bi-weekly program as blurdy and eclectic as I am, with topics ranging from music, film, history, culture, time travel, marshmallows, religion, and the brilliance of J.J. Abrams. Search and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podbean, and wherever podcasts are procured. Also, please support the Indube Network on Patreon. The podcast and this ad is a 3SFX production. I'm Lanisha. And I'm Carolyn. And thank you for joining us for another episode. So yeah, I feel like it's been a while since we talked. <laughs> but it yeah. has. That's the thing about doing a monthly podcast. It's I like know. literally a month away and be like, I heard from you last month. I know, true. But that's a great way to segue to an announcement we have for y'all. Guess what's coming? We got new content and it stars a special someone on this podcast. Yay! It's Carolyn. Um, if, you guys, if you guys have not heard the news yet by now, the first pod, the first episode is out. It is called Carolyn Talks. Carolyn is an awesome person, and she gets sometimes you you meet awesome people in the film and TV industry. But why am I talking about it? I'm gonna let you talk about it. <laughs> I'll let Thank you. Explain you. It. Yeah. Okay. So our new segment, Carolyn Talks. Dot dot dot. It's basically. Um, it's a podcast, but it's a, it's going to be almost like an interview format and discussion like how we do for So, um, so Here's What Happened, where I'm, I speak to industry insiders and creatives such as writers, producers, directors, anyone hear me? Hit me up in the DMs. And, um, and film critics and TV critics and anyone who's interested in film and, and television. Um, and it's about getting a more in-depth look um, into the industry, but it's also dealing mainly with representation, I'm talking about things that interest us in um, social media and society as a whole. So for our first episode, I spoke to Arthur sociologist Nancy Wang Yuan and mm-hmm. also some TV critic Laura Circle. And there made there were some two of my Twitter peeps, and we had a blast talking about Asian American representation in media and also lately thirsting after Stephen Yuan oh. and John Cho base, their base. That was my um, favorite. That was my favorite part. <laughs> that was our favorite part. Too. Like, that was my favorite part. Just like hit, listening to y'all talk about my crushes, my men. Oh. Listen, they're base. And listen, those two men. In- oh my gosh. Okay. Let, let, we can get, we can tear us a bit later. But um, yeah, so Charlie Talks is, is, a, is a segment um, where we get to speak to and listen to people creatives and individuals in the film industry mm-hmm. and it's not that as more episodes go that I can find interesting people for you to talk for, for you to listen to and for me to talk to and that we learn from each other and that we can grow yes and it's all awesome you guys can go listen to the first episode I have put the link in the show notes please give it a try I think everyone will enjoy it, especially if you're listening to this podcast you'll definitely enjoy the opportunity to hear more people who are involved in the film industry who are critics and more and yeah so look forward to more of that coming soon and so that's mm-hmm. my announcement for that any other announcements carolyn i'm just gonna like put the spotlight on you yeah, better announcement is i have been officially accredited as press for for the toronto international film festival otherwise known as <laughs> Hala, hala, hala. Uh, as we would do it back home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My horn is so weak. Yours is I'm taking Carolyn out on my weak horn. She's not recovering, y'all. Carolyn's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been officially accredited as press and I'm so happy this is something that I've always wanted as you guys know like film criticism is near dirty my heart this is something I want to do as a career mm-hmm. and be, uh, be getting this accreditation from an institute like TIFF means a lot to me so it's very important and I thank to my thanks to Lanisha for supporting me and being my cheerleader and, yeah. and to everyone who's been 
cheering me on online on Twitter. Um, so I'll be covering the festival this season on behalf of So Here's What Happened. And also, any other media outlets that would like coverage, please contact me. You can DM me in my Twitter account, you know, or hit me up on email. I'll provide the email in the in the show notes. And <clears throat> so I'll be going to screenings. Um, I'm hoping to land with some interviews with some actors, directors, producers once more. Again, same as with Parenting Talks. So speak to um, industry insiders. And those interviews will possibly be provided as segments for Carolyn Talks. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's my hope, to be able to speak to people at the festival and to learn more from those creating the films that are in the lineup this year, because we have like the shows like um, If Beale Street Could Talk by Barry Jenkins, Widow, which I am extremely looking forward to, sorry, mm-hmm. Viola Davis, um, The Hate You Give, and a whole bunch of other films coming out. So I'm really interested in um, for the films this season. So yes, yeah, so that's, my, that's my other big announcement. I'm officially... Big things, big things coming your way. And yes, I'll continue to be your cheerleader because you deserve. You just truly, truly deserve. Um, But yeah, so be sure to follow Carolyn and everything along with that journey as that's going to be coming up pretty soon, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's in September. So yeah. Um, Start September the 6th, going on to the 16th. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, I think that is it for announcements. This, I have nothing on my end. Oh, wait. I guess tech. So I started another podcast. I don't think I announced yes, it. Did. I did. Um, I have a problem. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast anonymous. Um, I have a problem. But it's fun. It's actually with our own, it's with our own community editor, Chief. Chief. Editor-in-Chief. You know, I'm going to give her whatever title. But Kate on But Why Though. She's also a podcast host, too, on But Why Though. And a few other things, like... Talk about high-functioning people. Me and her came up with the idea for our podcast in a matter of 24 hours, and we had a Twitter account, and we had it all figured out. It's called Did You Have To? And basically, we watch live-action adaptations of anime movies because we're both big anime nerds. And yeah, we've already gotten a bunch of suggestions from people. We did two episodes now. We did the Dragon Ball Evolution movie that I hate so much. And we also did... um, the Full Metal Alchemist movie. So that was much better than Dragon Ball Evolution. I did not want to claw my eyes out. Really? Well, we all know how sucky Dragon Ball Evolution is, but Full Metal Alchemist, I tried watching it and I probably made it it into like half an hour because I pushed through through 15 extra 15 minutes because I got to the point where he was having the vision and he was trying to figure out what was going on with the brother and like it was like he was seeing the because I didn't realize that the brother was inside the the, the night the giant night so I'm like oh yeah. so that's what's happening and I was all confused and I couldn't get past it because it is it looks so it's like the production quality is so weird yeah I don't even necessarily say it's cheap because I'm sure it still takes a lot of money to produce like so oh, that amount of CGI, yeah. but it's so weird looking. I couldn't get past it. But I, I, I can't. I no, can't. no, no. Because me and Kate even talked about it. It's like if no one, if you don't have prior knowledge of like the anime series, a lot of it's weird because they don't address it right. They don't dress it like outright. So for people who aren't familiar with the anime at all, you're like, oh, the brother's in the armor. Oh, the brother's soul is in the arm. It's just yeah, a whole bunch of things. But then we're just like, what they did do well was like aesthetically very pleasing, except for like terrible. What? Well, for sure. Yeah, the wigs are horrible. Struggle wigs for sure. Okay. And the costuming was pretty good. But the other thing that threw me off was the whole the aesthetic of a lot of it being set in Germany. Uh-huh. You can tell it's a European village and yeah. all certainly like early 1940s because I'm like, these guys look like the SSS. So yeah, well, I love no, that. that. And that's it's such amazing. a weird thing because they're Asian people and like, now we all like, oh I was gosh. like, what is happening? You're and it's in Germany and people are in leader hose, people are in leader hose and walking around leader hose Mm-hmm. And like you got SSS. You gotta, see, you gotta watch the anime. You just gotta watch the anime yeah. because that's the thing is that I mean it's out there. Y'all can go listen to the podcast uh, episode. But Full Metal Alchemist is like basically an alternate universe, like a fictional German European country. It takes place in a mm-hmm. setting, but it's basically telling the story of the Holocaust. But you it and like, but it's like they're not outright doing it. Like if you are, if you were a child and you're watching it, it doesn't. Me and Kate didn't make the connection until we were older, where it's like this. Yeah. But people have died, and then we're just like, oh, that's what they're fighting about. And then like you watch it when you're older, and like, oh, that's what they were fighting about. That all makes. I, sense. I, I, 
Yeah, and oh. I figured that was kind of what it was going. But I just, yeah. I was so unprepared for it. I was like, what is happening? What are they in Germany? Yeah. I would say the anime is better, but I do think it's like the movie going in blind is very, yeah. Y'all just go and listen to it. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna keep talking about another show and another show because I feel like <laughs> worlds are blending. Even though I love both of my new co-hosts, y'all are awesome. So y'all are a pleasure to work with. Um, but anyways, let's get into our show. So here's yay. In July. Um, Would you like to take the honors? So up for me, first thing first, the first thing I read was To All the Boys I Love, which was written by award-winning author Mm -hmm. Jenny Han. And it's a YA novel. And it's about this young girl, Lara Jean Song. So Mm -hmm. she's a 16-year-old Korean-American. And so what happened is she has this teal hat box that she got from her mother. And what she did is she, whenever she had a crush, she would write a letter. And she wrote the letter as a way to get over her crush. She'd be like, okay, this is my final admission to you. And I'll never mail it, but I'll put my feelings down on paper. I'm going to put it in this hat box. And which I kind of, which I could kind of relate to because I used to, I never, I used to have a diary quotation mark because I would write things to like people that I had crushes or whatever. And I would, and I would put them in my diary. And that was very rare because I hardly ever, I was horrible at maintaining a diary. Just horrible. Um, But that was the one thing I did. So I related to that. But what happened is um, something happened and someone mailed the letters to her five crushes. (laughs) And one of them turned out to be this guy, Peter Kabinsky and... So through a comedy of errors, she and Peter end up having to fake a relationship. Now I'm not going to spoil it too much because the film is coming out August 17th on Netflix, and it's really and it's um the, it looks really really good, and um, but it was I like what I what I and what I really appreciated about this book is the mature the it's it's written maturely but still like from the perspective of a teenager. So because yeah. I've seen red way novels where. They're supposed to be a teenager, but the dialogue and the words used, I'm like, this teenagers don't really talk like this. But mm-hmm. for this book, um, she it, like you can tell it, it was written from the perspective of a teenager. Yeah. And it's filled with all the angst that we feel as teens dealing with puppy love. Oh. And is and it deals with like familial struggles struggles because her older sister goes to Scotland to go to study mm-hmm. and she has a younger sister. And so I, I, I relate to the dynamic of the siblings and also but what I also really loved about this book is so as I mentioned Lara Jean and her, Lara Jean and her two sisters are Korean Americans because their mother is Korean mm-hmm. and but their dad is white so the, the, the two the three girls they would call themselves the Song sisters and they did that in remembrance of their mom because their mom had died oh. and they, they they held on to that, that that part of their identity as a way to honor their mama their mother and to honor heritage and the thing that I, what I, what I liked of how um, Jenny Han described the girls being Korean is like she doesn't tell right, but she drops hints. So you know the last name, their mom's last name is Song. So mm-hmm. if you know about um, Korean heritage or just Asian heritage, you know that that's typically a Korean name. And she doesn't, when this, even describing how they look, she talks about hair color and skin tone, but in reference to the fact that what the youngest sister has more... European features because she takes after the dad more than the two older sisters, mm-hmm. but she doesn't use descriptors like their skin was like porcelain and translucent. I hate reading those kind of um, descriptions in, in romance novels. So I appreciate that she didn't use those trite and and um, stereotypical ways to describe how they look. Yeah. And she and she talks about race in a very subtle way. So like there's a scene in the book where um, Lara Jean she's discussing Halloween. And she's saying, and so it's like it's first person narrative. So she's like saying to herself, "Is why is it as an Asian people expect her to only dress up as an anime character, uh, right?" So she was dressed as a character from Harry Potter, and I don't remember the character's name, but she's Asian. Oh, Harry's. I don't want to discredit the character, but I only remember her uh, dating Harry or Harry. Yeah, Harry. but she, yeah. Right, so she's Asian, so like she dressed up as a character, and people yeah. didn't even necessarily as, uh, assume that it was even a Harry Potter character. She, they were like, "Oh, who's this that you're dressed up?" She's like, "I'm dressed as this character from Harry Potter," and she, then they're like, oh, "It's not an anime." She's like, "I'm wearing the freaking robe and the darn the scarf, you know, like Jesus. whichever house she's from, yeah. she's wearing the robe." And I'm like, and she's like, "Wow, well, how like?" 
I'm wow. wearing it and it has an emblem on it and you still think I'm dressed as an anime character. And I'm like, I totally relate to that because she's like, I, as an Asian person, I can cosplay as anyone. I can dress as anyone. Why do I, like, and my race doesn't have to identify with the person that I'm yeah. costuming as, right? So and I, and I saw that really, and that was really interesting because that's something not, um, that we've been discussing on social media a lot, talking about representation, but also the fact that there is also a lack of Asian characters that people can cosplay mm-hmm. as, at least up to, I would say, the last two years, because um, William Yu, he will, he has sent out a tweet, he was saying, okay, give me male Asian characters that I could just pass as Halloween. So like, I suggested Fancy Lee from Kill Joys, which is, who's played by John Beck, on, he's on Twitter, and also... Um, Terry Chen plays Siddiqui Monk on Expanse and also there's Sunny from Into the Badlands and um, there's a whole host of other ones. Oh, and for a female I mentioned there's, there's Ming-Na from, from <laughs> Agents of Sheila, you're a complete oh. nerd just now. But, right? Um, but there's Ming-Na as Belinda May on Agents of Shield. So, but there's more characters now that they can play and like I, this may sound, I don't want to I don't want to make make it somewhere but they're not like the stereotypical Asian characters yeah like, they're not defined by their Asianness so there's mm-hmm. more characters that we can have but also the fact that these characters are played by Asian actors makes it even better right so yeah. like, the, the people who want to dress as them like I can dress as this character and it's amazing that this character is played by an Asian actor as well so mm-hmm. there's that and so that was a big part of the book that I really love and um. And yeah, but it was really, and it's really funny. It's a really funny book. And um, <laughs> there's some things that happen, and I'm like, good Lord, girl, what are you doing? Because she made some decisions. I'm like, Largy, girl, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was a really, it's really my written book. Oh, nice. I like it. I'm yeah. excited about the movie coming out, but also like, I've been wanting to read it, but it's one of those things where I feel like, oh, I'm going to wait until after I watch it just because then I feel rushed. I need to finish the book. and I, go, I don't get to like enjoy the book as much because I yeah. don't read, read. But very excited. Nice. Nice. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, my turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. It's your turn. Oh, okay. So this month of July, I kind of went on a binge reading. Um, it's a manga. Surprise, surprise. It's called, it's called Tomo-chan wa Ona no code. I probably screwed that up. I'm so sorry. I just felt like I needed to say it in the Japanese language in the proper name it is called, but it's also translated to Tomo-chan is a girl. And yeah. I I'm a sucker for romantic animes and manga. Like I can't help it. So it's kind of funny that we both like read like romantic books about teenagers cuz Tomo is yeah, no, right? she's a 15-year-old girl. She goes to high school. Um she successfully like confesses her crush to her childhood friend June. But June, brave soul, brave soul. I know, but June, he just like he says okay, and it's but it's he doesn't make it a big deal because he only still sees her as his friend. So yeah. Tomo is Tomo is like a very much like a tomboy. Like she's very tall, she's very athletic, she's like this very strong person, she's confident in herself, but she's also very shy. So it's nice to see like a multifaceted person. So now yeah. the whole plot is trying to make sure he can see, she wants him to see her as a woman to like respect, like kiss before he would like grab her from behind and put her in a chokehold and mess with yeah. her. And she's just like, no, like stop it. Stop touching me. Cause she's like getting super embarrassed and like blushing. Because yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're close. And he's like, what What's wrong with you? And he's like, his nose is basically touching her nose. Cause up until middle school, this dummy thought she was a boy. Until he saw her in a skirt, because they never went to the same school growing up. They only played with each other, and her hair was always short. So it was just like one of those things is like, okay, you just really dumb, or like, come on. Oblivious. Yeah, like oblivious. Listen, okay. Um, so, <laughs> oblivious. So, like, when I read your show notes for Tomachan, is um, Tomachan wa ono noko, mm-hmm. I immediately have flashbacks to a K drama that I watched called Coffee Prince. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that one, yes. It is so freaking good. I love that. I've watched it like three times already. Oh. And But the reason I remember is because the premise is this, this girl, and I, I should I have written out her name, but so she, so she's the breadwinner for her family. So it's only her, her younger sister, and her mom. Mm-hmm. So she, so she's been working hard, so she has like, like, umpteen, like, part-time jobs. Mm-hmm. And like, 
so she's a tomboy too, right? Yeah. But like no one mistakes she's a, like a few people mistake that she's a, a boy because like she went into this bathroom, she was delivering food, mm-hmm. and like the ladies kicked her off and they're like, "How oh, are you doing here?" She's like, "I'm a girl," and I'm like, "No, you're not." She's like, "Yes, I am." Right. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is she meets the lead played by going, "You, hey, dude, I love him. He's so cute." Uh, and he thinks she's a guy, right? Of course. And so, like, at first, it's not necessarily a problem because she agrees to like pretend to be his uh, boyfriend because his mom, his mom was trying to set him up, like um, this what they call a marriage meeting. So this yeah. is like how basically like blind it, so you set up to like a, a potential yeah house, right? So he was like, I don't want to meet these, I don't want to meet these girls that my mom keeps setting me up with. He's like, I'm not interested in these particular girls. And he's like, gets the hear brain idea. How about you pretend to be my boyfriend? <sighs> and she and so like she's like, uh, but I'm a girl. He's like, no, you're not. And <laughs> so she's like, so she like needs money. So she's like, okay, I'll pretend. So like eventually they end up working together. She ends up working for him at his coffee shop. And it's like the the situations is I call it is situational comedy because the things that happen. And you're like, dude, how could you not see? Yeah. Like, cause, yeah. Like, and it's not only him. There's like uh, other, like other people around him, like some other guys that they work with that think she's a boy too. But then there are other people that are like immediately look at her and say, "You're a girl." Yeah. Right. But um, but then it's like, but it's so, I'm not gonna spoil it for you because it's so good. But like, I didn't love that show. But when I saw your restaurant for this, I was like, yes, mm-hmm. God, he prints an anime form. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, you will like it then. And it's like the good thing about it is it's not a long read, so there's like 150 chapters. But uh, each chapter is one page. It's like a daily <laughs> comic. It's like see, see. But it's like a because it's like a daily comic, like you read in the newspaper. So it's like each, but it's like. The author tells a very succinct story with just so yeah. like with just pages, and I'm just like, yeah, there's been a lot of development over these chapters that I've been reading. Maybe there might be two. Oh, okay. But either way, it's like a nice comic a day. You could like read it very lightly. You can get it on Amazon, get the volumes. There's like three of them out. I have flown through them, and I'm just patiently waiting to find out what happens because things are heating up, and I just I don't want it to end with them getting together. I wanted to keep going because they're so dang awkward. I just be like, Tomo, no, what are you doing? Stop. So, okay, so so they got together at the end of the book? No, 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 it's still ongoing. The manga is it's still ongoing? ongoing? Yeah, it's still ongoing. Oh, so okay, okay. Right now, y'all know we do spoilers here. Right now, she's confessed to him before. And like I said, mm-hmm. he didn't really get it. He was oblivious to it. But so like over this whole time, she's just like, I have to change myself, which she doesn't really have to change herself because he actually likes her just the way she is. But he doesn't get it in his in his head that he likes her, likes her like mm. that. So like her one friend was just like trying to coach her, like, you just have to be more softer and gentler with him and like, you know, put boundaries up so he doesn't like rough house with you like a guy. And it doesn't exactly. it kind of fails. But eventually, yeah, like, things slowly start to change, and he slowly starts to notice her as a woman, and then it's, like, it hits him. It's like, am I in love with her? Like, as they do in romantic comedies. And he confessed to them, confessed to her while they were dancing at the school festival dance, and then she runs away because she's embarrassed. And, I'm just, and that's where it left off at. And I'm just like, okay. Me. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, that's you want it to continue? Did they say when the next part is gonna come up? Yeah, it's um, usually it's honestly released. Um, I think it comes out next month. The next value. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so the next value comes out next month. So I'm probably just gonna reread it from the beginning again until I get it. Because um, <laughs> I just perfectly fine. Yep. As I, I say, I watch I watch a lot of these K dramas repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, the no big, problem. Yeah. <laughs> But my favorite thing about it is because typically with heroines in anime, oh, oh, it's fine. I can edit that out. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably good. And it's probably like, what do you call it? Thing callers. Oh, telemarketers. Yeah, telemarketers, yeah. Um, (laughs) My favorite thing about it is that like the main character is she's more than just like a tomboy and like Mm -hmm. more than she's not just your regular girly girl and then you know like how they typically make women in mangas or anime as like soft and docile and like yeah i don't like you sometimes will find one where they like they have multiple layers and i kind of like that you get to see her as like people perceive her as like this tough like gonna kick everyone's ass tomboy but she's very shy and she just like doesn't know how to like voice her feelings so it's cute and i like yeah 
and I like tough tomboys because I was one growing up. Probably still am. Yeah. I don't think I, was, I don't think I, I think I was an even mix of tomboy and girly girl. I think yeah, I think it was a pretty good mix because I I would do like play roughhouse with like the guys and yep. climb trees and all that kind of stuff while still doing my girly stuff and still maintaining my hairstyles. I would go to school, play, and come home looking all fresh. But my sister would come home looking like she's found in a war. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but like no, I, I completely relate to those kind of stories because I'm like that's me. I'm like you have questions and you say nothing. Like you have a crush on somebody and the guys don't see you because I definitely like relate to that where it's like because I was in basketball and because I was very sporty guys didn't see me as a girl like one boy mm-hmm. actually told me I would make a cute boy that's what he oh, what? and I like, like it was a boy I had a crush on at the time and I was just like well fuck you I don't like you anyways <laughs> now so oh, yeah you think that's a compliment but it's not it's not i was just like fuck you i don't like you bye and <laughs> but then you know like as it happens when you get to college or like as you're leaving high school guys start to notice you more yeah i'm just like i don't need y'all no more bye yeah. but i still root for the little people the people who have crushes and i just want mm-hmm. to end up together happily but yeah that's it i know right <laughs> yeah and it's kind of funny that both of our books were about um Girl, young girls having crushes I think that's yeah. kind of funny and so that's a real good coincidence too and I don't have anything for a tv show but okay. what do you have for a tv show I have the best show ever it is called Kim's Yay. Convenience Yay. Um, yes I love it so 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 much I'm in love with the entire show I have been to watch the first two seasons because I have no control and they're only 13 mm-hmm. episodes each um yeah so it, the synopsis is, while running a convenience store in Toronto, members of a Korean-Canadian family deal with customers, each other, and the evolving world around them. I love it so much. It isn't super heavy on the drama. It isn't super heavy mm-hmm. on the comedy. It is just a really good show. And all the characters, you find something to like about all the characters. And I just like how they slowly develop. Like, it's still, it's great development over time. And I wouldn't expect yeah. the sitcom as easy, but it's just like, oh, like you get to know the mom and the dad and like you understand that there's some drama with the oldest son who's played by, hold on, I'm going to look up his name because he's fine. Similio? Yes. Thank you. Similio, um, yeah. He is fine. Love him. He's funny. And his sister, like, I don't know the actress name to play the sister, but it's just like um, all the characters, I just feel like bring something to the show. And they all really work well off of each other. Be like, well, it's a comedy a little bit. There's like romance and there's drama and there's family drama. And I feel like everybody can relate to family drama, especially. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it just, it it really is a great show and the cast is awesome. And they just came to Netflix like this month. Um, I know. I can't wait because we're going to be live tweeting it um, on Sundays. And and I should be, I I feel slightly ashamed because I haven't watched it and I, and I live in Canada. But, like, trying to watch that show Sunnysets for me has been difficult because, like, uh, sometimes I would see it, but, like, mm-hmm. either I can't watch it or, like, the time it shows on my, my well, TV provider that live, yeah. I can't watch. And then there's, like, so much other shows that I watch. I'm like, Karen, mm-hmm. you should be ashamed. But we're going to be, like, tweeting and I can't wait because I'm not ashamed. But yeah, I'm very interested in seeing like a comedy, especially one made in Canada mm-hmm. about a Korean Canadian family, right? So it'll be interesting to see. It's and the thing is, is like yeah, for sure. So like I this is I'm interested in not only the main family, but like mm-hmm. the background characters because Toronto in itself is very is a very diverse city. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I wanna be able to see I'm I'm looking forward to seeing see the Ethiopians. And mm-hmm. Indians and like Caribbean West Indian people like coming through the store and whatever. So I'm really looking forward yeah. to that. And um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm just, and I just love that about it. It's not like one character is the Indian character or the one character is the black character. It's like these characters are themselves and it's not yeah. like they're just a thrown in token because like mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think I this is how good it is I didn't really notice it like of course you notice diversity but it's like it's just so effortlessly it's not them trying exactly. to force it where it's like oh here's our special episode with the family from Iran like no there's just this is how it must be like in a very diverse setting in real life 
versus yep. how we see it on TV, where like Big Bang Theory has no representation except for their one. I'm just, I'm gonna stop. But he's like, a caricature. He really is. But it's like, that's the thing is like, when we look at like the hot, like number one comedies in America, everybody looks at Big Bang Theory, but it is like- it sucks. It sucks so bad and it should have ended. And it just sucks because it's like, y'all do nothing for representation. You do nothing to bring in more characters. And it's not even that hard. It's not like you have to keep them around for forever. They can just keep popping in and out which Kim's convenience does is that characters just keep coming back because they're in a community. Um, exactly. I'm always at my local, uh, what we call it our Daisy Mart, our corner store. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm, I'm in there at least once a week. So it's like, if you're doing a show about a convenience store, you can show that people are going to be popping into their local store repeatedly every week, every month. And like the people already know, like my, the lady who now runs it, she already knows when they come in. I'm usually coming for a patty mm-hmm. and a drink. And maybe somebody's talking about stockings occasionally, but like, mm-hmm. they know. So it's like, I, I'm really like, I'm very excited to see that reflection of Toronto on screen. So I'm re- that's what I'm really looking forward to. I like tweeting because you know, I love like tweeting, but like, I that's great. Like, that's sweet. Unfortunately, I won't be able to live tweet with you because it only comes on Netflix here. I have no access. I have no access to the channel that comes on up there. So no, that's what I mean, I'll be like tweeting it from Netflix. That's what I'm oh, going to be doing. Okay, I'll tell you. Think about watching when it's on Netflix. Okay, great. I'll live tweet with you on Netflix because I know you're going to get season three before I get it, and I'm so jealous. I'm yeah, so- we're going to be. Um, yeah, I'm going to be live tweeting with Laura um, and uh, some other people. So we're going to live tweeting on. So we have to ask her what days, and we're going to like plan a whole thing around that because uh-huh. you know it's the summer of Asians, so that's a part of our. Our uh, promotion for some of Asians and yes. leading up to shows like um, to films like um, to all the boys I've loved before, Crazy Rich Asians, Searching, and that kind of stuff, right? So like we kind of promote each other. Yes. And um, yeah. But yeah. And so yeah, and so that's it for our films. And now let's mm-hmm. on to, for TV shows. Let's on to film. Yeah. And we both watched Ant Man and the Wasp, which is yeah. Marvel's latest film starring Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly and Michael Douglas and. Hannah, John Kamet. Mm-hmm. So it was really good. I really, and Michael Pena, I can't leave on Michael Pena because I love that guy. Like he was my favorite character mm-hmm. in the whole film. Storytelling, the storytelling scene. Just. I love those scenes. Those are like, if you, if I was to list top 10 scenes yes. from any Marvel film, yes. that is probably going to be number three or yes. number four. Number one will be when um, T'Challa first enters Wakanda. Yeah. Uh, number two would be the first time we see um, Steve as Captain America when he comes out the capsule. We see all his pecs and his abs. Yeah. So yes, and <laughs> so like those storytelling scenes will be. I will put them in as one giant scene. Will be in my top five for sure. Oh, it's just so good. I just like, and then when you realize, because you forget for a moment as you're watching it, it's just like, this is him talking, and the other actors are voicing, like, just like with Junk History, they're just mouthing what mm-hmm. he says. But then I'm just like, it's so good because you forget about that. But I'm just like, yeah, oh, that's right. It's done so effortlessly. Yes, and I'm so awed by the other cast who just like did it, like, Without a problem, with no flaws, just it's, the they do his mannerisms so well, and they catch the mannerisms, of, um, the characters so well. I'm like, I just love it. It's like, and it's like, man, I'm telling you, and that's I, I told him like, dig it, whatever, like. <laughs> and it was just such a nice like palate cleanser after Infinity War. Like we all know what happened after then, and it's just like it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like I was exhausted after Infinity War, not because it's like, man, I was pissed. It was yeah, I was exhausted and pissed just because it's like. They built up this big, com- like, crossover event, but it was just like, okay, you gave us a space Hitler, um, and you killed off a woman who you, you didn't have to kill off. It was just like all these things. It was just, I was exhausted from them. All these things. All those things. Like, we've talked about it. Y'all can go and check out the Infinity War review that we also did. That's our first episode. Gonna plug. Um. But yeah, I mm-hmm. loved it. And it's, you know, like how every Marvel movie has its tone or there's like this underlying message. And like, I really like that Ant-Man is family. Like that's one of the tones in there. But then also they yes. was like, I love the new characters we got to meet. So yeah, oh, so good. So and good. I, what I, what I, apart from the only the storytelling, what I appreciated is mm-hmm. um, 
Hannah Johns, the time that she got as the ghost. Yeah. Like, to me, she got like a really good amount of screen time. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I was afraid of going in because I'm like, I hope these guys don't like shuffle into this tiny amount of screen time. But she got like a really good amount of screen time. And her story development to me was not perfect, but it was really good because mm-hmm. um, as someone with a disability, especially an invisible disability, mm-hmm. and like I really related to her because her, her disability was literally invisible. So like, she, yeah. was, she would phase in and out. And mm-hmm. even though like, they did the whole magical cure thing at the end, I don't think that she was cured completely because to me at the end, it looked like she was still in pain. I think she's, I think like what, um, oh, what's the month the first, wasp, the first wasp. Oh God. Yeah, Lord. Oh, no, man. hope is a daughter. Lord, I got to go on IMDB because I am going to come. Janet. Janet. No, hope. Janet, right, Janet Pym. Um, like to me, what I think what she did is she was able to relieve the pain temporarily. I don't think she healed her completely, mm-hmm. but like I, I related to the to her, to her frustration of being in pain and people not being able to understand it. Yeah. Of course, I don't. I don't. I'm not about her like supporting and killing people, whatever. But that's yeah. all Hydra. That's what Hydra trained her to do. Mm-hmm. But like I, I related to her frustration and being like the the being in the the pain and not knowing when or how it would be affect that it would affect her because like at any moment she she could lose control and I'm like I relate to that completely mm-hmm. right because like to me the symptoms are kind of similar to like MS because with MS like for me I get like hand tremors I get like muscle spasms mm-hmm. like whole and um, whole body spasms and like um like maybe like spasms adjust my legs and my arms I'm like I related that completely but I loved the performance because I love Hannah as Dutch in Killjoys, because that's one of my favorite sci-fi shows. Yeah. And, and I really love that they gave her screen time. Mm-hmm. And so her and Michael Pena, and I would also say, and like the whole cast did really well. I think this one was more cohesive than the first film. Very. I would agree. Because I mean, like, just going back to what you said about with um the with um Hannah, I just feel like it was very it was a very good way to deal with the villain. It wasn't that she was evil for evil's sake. She was working towards a goal of healing herself. Um, yeah. Because she had to take her, she had to take her care into her own hands because nobody mm-hmm. could fix her, nobody could help her. And I think, like, I agree, like, because that's kind of like hinted at the end is that they still have a lot. To, they're still trying to help heal her. And I think that was like the best thing. It's like everyone always complains about killing off the villains too soon in Marvel. Well, I like what they did with the villain this time. It's like they helped her. And I know some people complain about the ending where it's like, there's not really an ending. Like there was nothing they defeated. I'm like, you don't always have to kill somebody at the end. Like it's sometimes it's like the resolution is helping and it's not always in killing. And like, she really- Yeah. And she wasn't being evil for being evil's sake for someone like Thanos or Red Skull. Or she was, she, well, first of all, she's she's what we would call a villain because she was made into one, right? Yeah. Like, oh, because yeah. she was taken as a child and trained by who she thought was she, but in really reality was actually Hydra. And so she was made into assassin. So that's the only yeah. way she knew how to handle situations to go in, mm-hmm. see your adversary and take him out, right? Yeah. Because I will admit, yeah, because I would admit, I would, at first when we met her and then when we met um, Lawrence Fishburne's character, mm-hmm. um, I was um, Dr. Bill Foster. I was like, why didn't they go why didn't they just ask for help? Like, yeah. they know they can ask for help. But then it was explained that basically her dad was discredited by Hank. And I'm like, you know what? I wasn't going to ask him for help. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trust you. So I understood that. Um, but yeah, I, I so I appreciate it. And she didn't die because to kill her would have been like horrible. I would have been mad. And I would have been mad. Woman, y'all, y'all can't keep killing off the women of color at Marvel. I'm just... Exactly. I would have been pissed. Because I'd be like, Marvel, I love you, but I'm out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, great movie all around. And then I saw it. I'm going to say it here. I've been called the ending, like the after credits ending, because I knew somebody was going to get dusted away, or at least three people are going to get dusted away. And I just. Oh, okay, okay. So before we get to our predictions for what I think the ending happened and what you thought the ending happened, I have to also mention mm-hmm. Randall Park, who played. Um, oh, yes, 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 Randall. Agent Jenny Wu. I think he was oh, amazing. Good. He did a really good job because, um, like Lauren and Nassie and I discussed in the in the Karen and Toss segment, I think he did he did a really good job of balancing comedy and seriousness because his character yeah. is supposed to be at the end he's supposed to be serious, but he's still like putting like like these small comedic moments that let you know his character is still like lighthearted and he interacted really well with Scott and and mm-hmm. and, and, and um 
extension Paul Rudd, like the part that that killed me when he was asking about, so can you show me mm-hmm. the magic trick? And then, in the, and then like later on down in the show, it pays off because then he's practicing the magic trick. Like I appreciated yeah. that he was also he was also given a good amount of screen time. And yeah. um, and like I hope we get to see Agent Wu in future Marvel films. Like, I, I hope this character around. I hope so too, because it sounds like for the most part, until things are resolved with the Sokovian Accords, which like those, it's weird. It's weird because we haven't heard about those since Civil War, and then like you yep. find out like, oh, they're still in effect. And I'm just like, yeah, I have a feeling y'all won't care about those so much once like Thanos comes. So okay, whatever. But yeah, I love Randall Park. I love him on Fresh Off the Boat. So seeing him in this movie was it was so nice treat because i didn't know he was all yeah, right I was I was yeah i thought i don't know if i forgot he was in it or whatever but i was just like oh i know him he's funny but like him definitely being serious and funny is always a nice it's nice because i'm get tired of like the tough government federal guy character all right it's it very just, annoying yeah and it doesn't it wouldn't i don't think it would have fit the tone of like yeah. ant-man overall you have to have these characters be more human have more emotions and show humor, but that was awesome. Yeah. Um, and I loved every moment with Scott and his daughter. Just I know that was so good. Th- those moments were really, really good. I'm like, dang, Nabbit Paul Rudd, you're just making me like have a crush on you because you're a good. I dad. know you with your um, problematic skin. I know. Just like <laughs> just stay unproblematic. That's all we ask of all yeah, of our right. crushes. Because Henry Cavill broke my heart a little bit this month, and we can't get into that. I'm just. Well, I think Harry's learning, but oh no, he's fine. He's still like he's still in my heart. I'm no, just he's, like he's, uh, still, he's still babe, but it's like man, just not perfect. Up. But at least nothing too problematic. But yeah, um, no, 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 not nothing on yeah. the level of some people. I know, right? But um, so going on to our predictions for what we think the ending meant. Mm-hmm. What did you think that end credit scene meant? Okay, so I've been saying since like when we first recorded that I think Ant Man's going to play a big role in the fight against Thanos when they mm-hmm. go to space. Because uh-huh. he brings an element like he has down and like the miniverse or whatever we decided to call that place that Thanos one isn't aware of. Because as much as he talks about like having all this knowledge and stuff, I'm just like very hard pressed to believe that like what if the big fight with him takes place like Scott brings him down there to that side or like it, it can, I just feel like Ant Man brings um, a set of tools and like just this. He brings a lot to the playing field that the Avengers don't have without him. And I'm not, I'm, I don't think the answer is for him to go giant. And I think the answer is for him to go small and go, that's small. Like, go small. And that's how he can beat Thanos. However, I am wondering if the, like, because he was in the miniverse, if that's what protected him from the snap or that was just like another thing I had a thought of was like, if that protected him from the snap, but, I mean, there's also things. I just figured he was going to survive unless they were going to yeah. do a real loop and have Hope save the day because she was kicking butt throughout the whole movie. And, like, because you know how they killed off, they dusted away T'Challa and they left Okoye. So I'm like, I don't know. I was 50-50 if it was going to be Hope or if it was going to be Ant-Man for a little bit. I, I think the reason he survives is because of his size. Part of it is because of his size is because he's literally infinitesimally small, right? He's literally the size of an atom and when they got dusted as we say they yeah. broke down to be i think i think what happened is they broke down to their elements right so yes. he's already this size of an element so there's nothing for him to break down to exactly right and so that's what i think happened but i also think when he was there and the first thing that occurred to me in my head is i thought he saw something so i think he saw um like laura says she thinks one Wong mm-hmm. is there because the last time we saw Wong in Infinity War is he went back into his and Doctor Strange's house. And he would have been, so I think he went, so either he saw Wong, because to me, the way he was talking is, because he was like, wait, so just before it happened, like he had collected the thing the in the, mm-hmm. the healing thing in the, in the container, but then he looked around. It looked like something caught his attention and he saw something. So I'm thinking either he saw Wong or he saw Doctor Strange. You know what? And see, everybody keeps going out with more theories. More theories have come out since then, but like that would be a good one because Wong is still being, we well, were at least, um, we're going off the fact that we think that Wong is still alive. Whereas like Wong- He gotta be like, to kill off the only Asian character in that show. I would hope, I would hope not. I, I hope not. But like if Wong, I think Wong is still alive because you have to have a, basically a side character from every franchise is alive. So that means Wong is alive. Yeah. 
the longer mm-hmm. the last, he can transport and open up a portal to Scott, get him out of the miniverse. Scott can become big again. Because unless Ghost and Lawrence Fishburne's character can take him out, he's stuck there until he can figure a way out. But that was the other thing. If he's going to be down there because time acts differently than it does on the outside world, if he's down there for just one day, he may have the same, because they kept on foreshadowing the with Janet. Time, that is time traveling, right? Time traveling and how it messes with the mind and how, like, she learned so many things. And she's like, it's not, a, it's not surviving, it's adapting and it's evolution. And I'm just like, oh, Scott's about to get some new powers, which will come in handy against Thanos. Exactly. But that's why I'm also thinking, because they keep mentioning, they kept mentioning things. That's why I think it's either Wong or Doctor Strange because they can manipulate time. Yes. And the reason I think it's Doctor Strange is out of those 14 million and one scenarios, I'm sure that he saw Scott in one of them. He's that he would, he would have broken, he would have tried himself at different ways and he knows that Scott's there. Mm-hmm. He's going to like look at it. He literally has all the infinite options mm-hmm. that he can look at. There's also that and also like something just came to my mind and I forgot it. And the reason I think that someone is there is because um, because the the Infinity Stones have to do with manipulating elements, and it's all about elements. And I think that Ghost may actually come into play there because of her ability to phase. Mm-hmm. Her ability to phase may allow her and may allow her to communicate with him. Mm-hmm. So we don't know if she can go down to size, but like because yeah. she phases in between realities, right? Like her mm-hmm. thing, she 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 stuck. She goes between um, yeah. where real world reality and alternate dimensions and stuff because that's mm-hmm. where she exists. I'm thinking that that's what we're gonna see. Mm-hmm. I would love. Mm-hmm. If they bring her into play, in I the would next like film. it. I would love it because I want Valkyrie to come into play in Infinity War. I just I want more of these characters that were like developed. Like Valkyrie should be in Infinity War, but I understand mm-hmm. that they did the whole. They explained the way that like not all the Asgardians were dead, just half. Oh yeah. So I'm like you know, there's like all this stuff they're trying to build up, and like I'm just excited for it, and I hate that we still have to wait a year. But there's just so much. Oh, there was one more thing because I recently read this theory that since you mentioned about the time. Um, so basically, somebody suggests that Doctor Strange, because, you know, in the fight, he never used the time stone. He, like, mm-hmm. you know, he, did, he made Thanos think he had it, and he had a fake. He's like, and Thanos said to him, like, oh, your greatest weapon, and you never used it once. Again, foreshadowing, because Marvel loves to give us foreshadowing. And yeah. so the theory is he sent the stone into the future to the Avengers that survived. Tony had, and he knew that Tony had to live so that Tony would get the time stone. So then I guess the time stone will have something to do with it, but he had to leave it there and distract Thanos long enough for them to use the time stone and then it would come back. But for the Infinity Gauntlet to have worked, then the time stone needs to have been in the glove. Yeah. So I thought that too. But it came back because we don't know where he put what he sent it. We just assumed that he but had that, it hidden. Right, so that's what I mean is like, for me, that's why I, th- I always thought that he went back to speak to Carol Danvers to let her know what's going to happen. See, that too. She gets con- contacted, right? Because that's, uh, that's always been my theory for number one, that in one of his reality, in one of his um, his travels, that like, he went back to, to Carol Danvers and he's like, listen to me. And like 20-some years, went, probably like, because mm-hmm. it was in the early 90s, and like 30 years, mm-hmm. you're going to get, you're, there's a big catastrophe is going to happen and we're going to need you. So when you get this call from Nick Fury. Um, from Nick Fury, this is what that call is going to be about because Nick is not going to be able to tell her what's going on because he evaporates before then. But yeah. he's going to say, this is what's happening. So she's going to already know exactly. what's going to happen. So then we're going to have her, and her film is not about that. But when they, when the next, I guess that's going to be... in the 90s. In, in, uh, yeah, that happens in the 90s. So then the next uh, Avengers 4, which is the second part of Infinity War, is going to be her having foreknowledge. And as I said, my thing, so I'm thinking either the end credits for Captain Marvel yes. is going to be her meeting up with Captain Doctor Strange. Yes. Or, and then the beginning of Avengers in, of Avengers 4 is going to be from Doctor Strange's perspective. Mm. So, I Marvel is going to be from her perspective and thing is going to be from her perspective. I agree. I agree with that because I think, because he has the ability to make himself multiple. So there's no, exactly. there's no reason to limit his abilities to say that he only went, he only had enough time to do one thing because he could have definitely like 
phased or cloned himself and sent one to the mm-hmm. future and one to the past, past. Exactly, right? He could have, in one of those things, he could have gone and contacted Wong and they had a plan. They're like, okay, I go here, you go there, and this is how we're going to solve this. Yeah, and it's like, and that's, there's just so much to go. And this is why I love time travel and like movies and TV because you, there's no limit to it. And I just feel like there's, <laughs> this is going to open up a lot more because I totally agree that them saying it took place in the 90s isn't just coincidence. It's definitely building up the fact that Nick Fury has known about her for years. They have a relationship mm-hmm. where, like, he she gave her a beeper so that they would be reached. So if the beeper is her way of staying in contact in case what she heard from Strange happened, then she would have a way to know and she'd come back and she would be safe. Just Yes. Wow. Right. So so that's what I'm thinking happens. And mm-hmm. also what I'm really looking forward to in Infinity 2 yeah. um, is because, as you mentioned, a lot of the character people that survived are side characters. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for more. That's why I'm really looking forward to be like, I'm going to be my, my boo. Because mm-hmm. no cap is there. But we're going to yeah. have Okoye. And I'm looking for some scenes between him and yeah. Okoye because, you know, I ship them. Yeah. I ship them so hard. When she was running next to him. I was like, this, this is a, this is what fan fiction like dreams is made of. Fan fiction. I got to go look for some fan fiction, but I'm like, you know, I've been shipping them. For the moment I saw the first trailer, I'm like, I ship you and I ship you together. <laughs> so, so that's what I'm really looking forward to. You. I ship um, you and I ship you together. <laughs> I ship for everybody. No, I love it. And I agree. I just need more Okoye having more of a identity in the movie because um, yes. Obviously, Danai did her thing, and she was amazing. Every little mm-hmm. look she gave, like, her shade, I was like, I live for this. Like, so given, given Hulk that side, I, I live for this. But I don't like how, obviously, I feel like they played down her abilities with Widow and with Scarlet Witch. So I would... Well, well they did. They played on all the women's abilities in really Infinity War. Because as I said, as like I said in our review, like, I, to me, mm-hmm. it proved that they didn't have confidence in Black Panther because they didn't give the people of Wakanda enough to me, you know, screen time because there's some scenes that could have been cut up. All that back and forth between, um, I keep forgetting everyone's name today. Um, between Vision and Wanda, like yeah. there are two oh. scenes that could have been cut up because I'm like, you, you fools, stop arguing. Like, girl, go out on the field, there's stick in the freaking day. Let, let Sherry handle her business. There's just but, yeah, so much. So, uh, I'm like, I want the director's cut because I'm like, we know there was more stuff that happened in Wakanda than just the battle. Because you have the scene where Captain America from like it was Entertainment Weekly. They had the picture of T'Challa and Captain America talking. They were both like, yes. So, so there's more scenes from Wakanda. I'm like, we didn't care about Vision and Wanda and they bullshit. I was tired of them. I, they both can die. I don't care. I'm just tired. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but that's, that's what I'm really looking forward to for literally the only thing I'm really looking forward to because I was at the end of Infinity War, but yeah. I'm looking forward to the side characters getting more screen time in mm-hmm. Infinity War Part 2. Uh-huh. And, um, oh, and okay, so... Whew, like oh, oh so my so my film choice was sorry to bother you and because mm-hmm. you haven't watched it I'm, and for our listeners I'm going to try to keep spoilers as light as possible because this is a film that you have to see to literally believe because there's some things that happen and um so the way I broke down my synopsis is so sorry to bother you was directed by Boots Riley and starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Stephen Yuan and Army Hara uh, <laughs> Army Hammer and mm-hmm. to me I I can describe it as an interesting look at the uh, capitalism and how and how it intersects with race and gender and sex mm-hmm. and uses some mind-boggling visuals like there's some things that happen like when you're literally watching this like you're literally like what <laughs> what is happening i what am i seeing like this is hilarious and it's like oh my god like they're mm-hmm. uses like very interestingly because there's there's scenes that like you laugh because it's awkward and you're like <laughs> yeah what the hell is happening then there's some scenes because they're busting funny and then there's some scenes where you literally want to hold your head. You're like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> um, like that Oprah gift where she's holding her head. She's like, what is happening? Um, but I love the film. I want to watch it again because I do have some things I want to say about it. But um, it's, the visuals are, to me, are stunning. And they're imaginative. And it is kooky. It's absurd. It's brilliant. And it's, it's a really good commentary on society and racism and yeah. sexuality and everything. And... I I think he casted this film perfectly. Like Tessa Thompson was amazing. Keith Stanfield was basically Keith Stanfield, but he did it really well. And um, but for me, my favorite ca- character was Stephen Yuen's character, uh, which was a character called um, 
no, seriously, what is up with my brain today? <laughs> um, let me Google this because my brain is no worries. My brain well, is not working right now. We are a visible podcast. Um, Y'all know we don't know everything. We sometimes have to use Google. G- listen, IMDb comes in handy in a in a cl- in the clutch. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sorry, y'all. So this is what happens when you have MS. Sometimes this is cognitive impairment in action right here. Literally, you know, you want to say it, but you can't say. Mm. So, um, so Stephen, you squeeze in my head. I was saying skizzers, and it's not skizzers. It's squeeze. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the reason I love his character is because he his character is such a is that is such a turnaround from what we normally see with Asian actors, especially Asian male Asian American characters. Mm-hmm. He is not a stereotype in the least. He's a strong male lead, and he he's proactive. He leads a union, and he if he wants something done, he's like, "This is what we're gonna do, and this is how we're gonna do it." And I love it. And as you guys know, I'm a shipper, so like if I see people and characters, yeah. I'm like, "I ship you." I from my first trailer, I think I told you, Lanish, I'm like, "I ship him." And I ship her together. <laughs> and that is with um, Steven's character, Squeeze, and Tessa Thompson's character, Detroit. Like, they had, like, some amazing char- chemistry in this film. And I was like, yes. Just give me all the rom-coms with those two now. Give it like... to me. Listen to me. I would love to see a rom-com with the two of them. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, yes. I mean, just like... Steven, I love the fact that Steven Ewan is just getting the opportunity to really yes. expand his, like, abilities. Like, he's, one, he's a great voice actor on Voltron. Two, he's been mm-hmm. great. We've known he's been great since Walking Dead. We've known he's been great in other projects. I still need to go watch that Office horror movie that he's in where they yeah, all... I have to watch it, too. I have to watch it. We can live tweet that one day, but I want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to add that. So here's what happened. Live tweets coming to me, y'all, soon. Um... But I just like that he's in it. I like how this whole entire casting just looks awesome. And I've just been so yeah. excited. I'm just really mad that, like, my local theater didn't even have it showing. And, like, yeah. and I mean, I know it was a limited release, but still, it's, like, it's, it's very frustrating. And then, so I just I have to go two towns over to a theater and try and catch it before I leave theaters. But... Yeah, yeah, because I was able to see it when I was in um, L.A. Mm-hmm. And let me see, I'm looking for the release dates for it here in Toronto. So I was able to see it in L.A., which I'm so glad. Um, I'm glad that I got to see it because I saw it with um, with Laura. And it was a great cinema experience because you can tell, like, the air and people, that you can tell people, like, what the hell? <laughs> and, like, <laughs> so it's like, it just, you hear people behind me, like, what on, what, what's, what's happening? What's, what's going on? Um so I'm glad that I got to see it, but I would recommend it for anyone because there's some scenes that are tr- like will trip you on your like, um, what the hell is happening? Um, so yeah, so it was released in Toronto, July the 13th, um, I believe. So yeah, so it's available uh, in Toronto, probably in select theaters. I'm not sure it's going to be all the theaters. So for sure, if you're in Toronto, go and watch it. And if you're in the States, go and watch it. I recommend you watch that. And mm-hmm. also Blind Spotting. That's also my watch list as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sorry Your Body was a great film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absurd and brilliant and smart. And um, I would recommend it because I can't wait for you to watch it so we can talk about it because mm-hmm. what? <laughs> we will definitely um, talk about it for a little bit on the next episode. And then just, uh, I just, I'm going to have to get my life together and just like make free time so I can go see it. Cause I, yeah, I have a lot, I have a lot of films because I want to watch that. I want to watch, um, no, I watched it right there. I want to watch Blind Spotting. I want to watch Mission Impossible. Six. Oh, yeah. Oh, whatever it is. Because Angela is in it, and I got to mm-hmm. see Auntie Angela on the big screen. Next to Henry Cavill um, with that nice. Next to Henry Cavill, next to that with his muscles. Yes. Yes, yes and, Oh, um, Black <laughs> is coming out. Like that one I want to see. Uh, Black Klansman. Yeah, I would, I, that one is inter- looks interesting as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think what else is coming out that I want to see. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, those are pretty, everything you've listed. Oh, Searching, we already mentioned, mentioned that. I'm Searching with John Cho. Yeah. That yes. is coming out August 21st. First. Um, so there's that coming out as well. And Crazy Rich Asians is August. <gasps> I got tickets to go see it in advance. You got tickets already? I had... Well, no, it's I, like, 
Well, here's a little tidbit for y'all. I'm just gonna let everybody know so you can get the hookup. You go to WarnerBrotherTickets.com. You can get. But that only works for those in the states, right? Huh? That only works for people in the states, right? That doesn't work for um. I have not. I have Canada. not tried. I don't know if anybody in Canada has tried it yet. You could be the hmm. first one to try it. You probably have better chances than me because they base it off of like a few different things. You have to fill out a form. I'm not depressed. They typically also just want to like great people's first impressions of the movie. But then I found mm-hmm. out I can't go because of responsibilities. So mm-hmm. I, I wish I could give them to somebody, but yeah. But I'm just like very mad that I won't be able to go. So I'm just going to have to wait like regular people do. Yeah, I, I really want to watch Started Bother You. Like, it's, it looks like a, look, all the things that I've heard about it are really good. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see um, all the Asian actors yeah. in, in the film. I'm really looking forward to that. And the beautiful clothes, beautiful cars, beautiful people. Comedy. Yes. Love it. Everything. Comedy. Looking for everything. So, yeah. So, I think that's it, right? Because I think we covered, we covered everything. A lot. We covered a lot, guys. And we're doing pretty good of not making this like a three-hour episode. So. We're, I think we're getting better. I think yeah. we're... we're we're better. Probably, yes. Oh no, yeah, we were much. We we're, we're pros, basically. No, we're not. We're still learning, but we are good at this. <laughs> Pat ourselves on the back. But yeah, that Pat is ourselves. everything. Um, so yes, please be sure to check out the announcements. I put a link in the show notes. Um, you can find out more information about Carolyn going to TIFF and also about Carolyn Talks, our new segment for where Carolyn does her interviews with different people from the film industry and TV industry. So yeah, that's all. Just oh, and please rate and review us. Um, we just want to know how we're doing and how y'all like us. Um, you know, it helps the podcast and it helps us get out there more. So mm-hmm. yeah, we appreciate it. And thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks guys.